Hello, everybody. Welcome back. CCT, episode 39. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have made it to the end of the college football season. Give yourself a hand, pat on the back. It is finally over. Big sad boy hours, though, sad girl hours. Now we have to wait, unfortunately, till August, but definitely a lot to talk about today. Going to the FCS and the FBS National Championship Games that happened this past weekend, this week. As always, thank everyone for tuning in. Appreciate the love and support. This you know season alone has been a wild one. A lot of growth for the podcast in general, new things. You know, We had the call-in feature a couple weeks ago. Me and Snakus are currently working on a new logo that should hopefully be out by August or maybe at this summer at some point. I mean, just new experimental things I've been trying and just, you know, trying to get out there more, reach out to different people. Had the Clemson tour around different students and people from that university that I went. Just trying to make this podcast as best as it can be for everyone and for this community. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Let's hop in today. So first... I'm going to jump into the FCS National Championship game. Yes, the FCS National Championship. As I mentioned a couple previous episodes, I've been you know following the playoff a little bit, the bracket. And in the final this past Sunday, January 8th, you had the battle for the Dakota Marker Part 2. You had the top-seeded South Dakota State against the number 3 seed North Dakota State. Just to put a little context behind this, North Dakota State and the FCS has been the standard. They have won nine out of the past 12 national championships. Yes, I I said that, nine out of the past 12. You think Alabama's had a crazy run in the past couple years? North Dakota State is on another level. The Bison have won the national championship 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, five years in a row. Then 2017, 2018, 2019, three-peat, and then in 2021. Obviously, this year, we're going to jump into the score now, but just want to put their context there that North Dakota State has been and is the standard for FCS college football right now. Again, nine out of the past 12 national championships. But in this game, just like during the regular season, the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State prevailed. They defeated North Dakota State 45-21. So South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, won their first FCS national championship in program history. So hats off to the Jackrabbits, you know, one hell of a victory, not only to win your first national championship, but against your rival, which is very impressive on its own about, and not to mention, this is the second time you beat them this year, so 2-0 against them, in the Dakota Marker rivalry game, they beat them 23-21, this time it was 45-21, so South Dakota State improved to 14-1, so they finished the year, North Dakota State ended the year 12-3. Going to some yardage here, South Dakota State had 506 total yards, North Dakota State 420. South Dakota State had 223 passing yards, North Dakota State 260. South Dakota State 283 in the rushing game, North Dakota State only 160 in the rushing game. Now, going to some individual player stats, Gronowski for South Dakota State. No, he's not a Gronkowski, he's Polish though, Gronowski. He was 14-21, 223 passing yards, and three touchdowns. He also had five rushes for 57 yards and a touchdown. So a four-total touchdown day for him. One hell of a game. Shout-out to Gronowski. Balled the hell out. Davis, the running back, one of the running backs, excuse me, had 22 rushes for 103 yards and a touchdown. 
He also had two catches for 28 yards. Johnson, their other running back, had nine rushes for 126 yards and a touchdown. So again, the rushing game of Gronowski, Davis, and Johnson, you know, over close to 300 yards rushing just in between all three of them. So shout out to them. Janky, one of their wide receivers, had three catches for 60 yards and two tutties. Now for the Bison in North Dakota State, Miller, their quarterback, was 18-29, 260 yards passing. He had two touchdowns but two interceptions. He also had 13 rushes for 64 yards. Johnson, the running back, had 11 rushes for 63 yards and a touchdown. He also had one catch for four yards. Mathis, one of their wide receivers, had seven catches for 123 yards. So again, I watched a good amount of this game Sunday afternoon. It was on like 2.15. And again, Jackrabbits put one hell of a game on. Again, dominant performance. Outwilled and outplayed North Dakota State. And again, led to the score 45-21. So again, shout out to the Jackrabbits in that program. First national championship. Again, beat their in-state rivalry, who is the standard, North Dakota State. So shout out to Jackrabbits there. Hopefully South Dakota will be going nuts for the next year and a half. The fourth season starts in August, so next year. Alrighty now, the national championship game. This Monday night in SoFi, SoFly Stadium out in L.A., California. The Georgia Bulldogs, number one in the land. Against number three, TCU, Horn Frogs, and the Hypno-Toad. Well, as we know, I picked TCU. Originally, I said Georgia. Then I decided to switch because I'm a loser. You know, they always say, go with your gut. Don't second-guess yourself. And, of course, I did. The Dogs defeated TCU 65-7. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I did say 65-7. TCU did not even get off the plane in SoFi. They must have been somewhere lost because they did not show up. The Dogs improved to 15-0 in the year, the perfect season. TCU falls to 13-2. Going into some stats here. The Dogs had a total of 589 total yards. TCU 188. So 589 to 188, almost 400 yards more for the Dogs. 335 passing yards for Georgia, 152 for TCU. 254 rushing yards for the Dogs to 36 for TCU. So over 200 more rushing yards for Georgia. This is an absolute ass-whooping, absolute beatdown by the Dogs. Georgia had no turnovers. TCU had three turnovers, a fumble and two picks by Max Dugan. Going to individual stats here. Stetson Bennett, the mailman, boy, did he deliver. 18 of 25, 304 yards passing and four tutties. He also had three rushes for 39 yards and two touchdowns. A six-total touchdown game for Stetson Bennett. Again, one hell of a game. Stetson Bennett, again, I saw him for the first time play in 2020 against Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Alabama ended up winning that game, winning the national championship. And again, and I've talked about Stetson Bennett many times in this podcast. I thought he was pretty good, average, nothing special. And these past couple years, last year was good. This year has shown you know, that he, he can make plays. He's very elusive in the running game, shifty, makes good throws. Again, can still be rattled, has some turnovers this year. But 
one hell of a story, one hell of a player, and their offense has been electric this year. So, you know, props off. I'll talk more about him and the team later, but just wanted to shout him out there. The mailman kicking some ass. McIntosh, one of the running backs, had eight rushes for 50 yards, and Robinson, other running back, had seven rushes for 42 yards and two touchdowns. The big receivers here, we had Bowers, the best tight end in the country, probably one of the best players in the country. Seven receptions for 152 yards and a touchdown. And McConkie had five catches for 88 yards and two tutties. On the TCU side, not much to talk about here, but Dugan was 14 of 22, 152 yards passing, two interceptions, no touchdowns. He had 10 rushes for 38 yards and a touchdown, which was the only touchdown of the game for TCU, the only points of the game for TCU. D. Mercado, the running back, had 14 rushes for 59 yards. He also had a catch for negative two yards. Davis, one of their wide receivers, had five catches for 101 yards. Johnston, again, probably TCU's first pick in the draft this year, going to be a number one pick, only had one catch for three yards. And this is something I don't get. Um, again, I watched this whole game Monday night. Georgia went up in the beginning, and then TCU scored to make it 7-17 to or 7-10. to Yeah, I think it was 10-7 Georgia. And then obviously Georgia just took off from there. But Johnston, again, the running back, Miller was hurt. He hurt himself in the Michigan game, so he was not playing. Di Mercado obviously took over. But if your best player on offense besides Dugan is Johnston, Feed him the ball. You only passed into him once. You only targeted him three times. I understand you weren't on offense much, but if he's your best player, TC, you got to feed him the rock more. I understand that your your ass was getting kicked. You couldn't rarely run the ball. Dude, got sacked, I think, five or six times. They really didn't have the ball on offense much. I get it. But you got to give the ball to your playmakers, especially if you're running back, who's a stud, is hurt and not playing. You got to target your best player more than three times, okay? But besides that, just absolute dominance by the dogs. Um, again, two interceptions off of Dugan. Another time they fumbled. Uh, reverse play. So, yeah, not really much to talk about TCU. Just absolute dominance by the dogs. Absolutely kicked ass. So, <clears throat> now to get into a little bit more about Georgia's national championship run and some stats for right here. So, Georgia. Obviously, back-to-back Natty Champs, 2021, last year, and then this year, 2022. They're the first team in the college football playoff era, which started in 2014, for those of you who don't know, to do a back-to-back Natty Champs. Again, many teams have won. Obviously, many teams have won multiple times, but not back-to-back years until Georgia now. Before that, before this, the prior teams, or most recent teams to go back-to-back was Alabama, 2011-2012. Southern Cal, 03-04, Nebraska, 1994-1995, and then this other teams dating back to, you know, earlier times, Army, I think Notre Dame, or like way back in, you know, 70s, 60s, 40s, 50s, whatever. The 58-point blowout is the largest ever in a bowl game or a national championship game ever. So 58 points, again, 65-7. The Dogs absolutely beat the hell out of the Horn Frogs. It stretches back. So many years, again, the record, I think the, the most recent record, or the biggest record before that was Southern Cal over Oklahoma in 2004 in the Natty, which was 36 points. But again, 58 blows that out of the water. Um, Stetson Bennett, 
He's tied for the most touchdowns responsible for in a national championship game with six. Again, Joe Burrow did that in the 2020, 2019, 2020 national champ or 20, 2019, 2020 season, but the game was in 2020 when he had six touchdowns. He had five passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. So Bennett ties Joe Cool, Joe Burrow. He's the first quarterback with multiple rushing touchdowns in the Natty since Vince Young in the 2005-2006 Rose Bowl. Again, that's one of the most famous college football games ever. Vince Young in Texas with, I think it was like 13 seconds left, runs it in on fourth and five to win Texas the national championship against Southern Cal. So again, that's another record by Bennett. Um, Georgia overall, the most scored, most points scored, excuse me, in the college football playoff national championship. Georgia's offense, again, which has been their strength the whole year. Again, not saying their defense is chump change, but their defense last year was one of the best ever. This year was still good, but they lost six players to the draft last year from that defense. But their offense was what rolled over everybody this year. In the natty, they had 12 possessions, their offense. Nine of them were touchdowns. One of them was a field goal. They had one punt. And then the last possession, they just need the ball. So out of 12 possessions in the national championship for Georgia's offense, nine of them were touchdowns, had a field goal, a punt, and then a kneel down. That's ridiculous. Again, the offensive MVP of the game was Stetson Bennett. He's actually the first and only player, I believe, to have been back-to-back MVPs in the national championship. And then on defense... It was Javon Bullard for Georgia. He had two interceptions. He had both interceptions off Dugan in that game. So again, that was just more stats about the national championship. Now they go into the mailman, Stetson Bennett, a little bit. I talked about him before. Obviously, he his story is something of a high book, you know, Hollywood story ending. He walked on at Georgia. Then he transferred to JUCO or junior college. Then he transferred back to Georgia. He had to wait his turn. Again, they had JT Daniels who transfers from the Southern Cal. Other quarterbacks, they were potentially going to start. He waited his turn and won the starting job. Bennett finished 29-3 and as a starting quarterback. This year, he won the Bur- Burlesworth Award, excuse me, for the most outstanding player who started their career as a walk-on. Again, much deserved. Much respect for walk-on players. Um, again, just to overcome that adversity and just to push through. It's just one hell of an accomplishment. Again, obviously, nothing against scholarship players, but I feel like as a walk-on, you kind of have that chip on your shoulder, and you're just there to will yourself and say, I want to be a part of this team. I want to commit, and I want to you know, lead them to whatever success or whatever our goal is, and that's what he did twice, back-to-back national championships. He broke Georgia's single-season passing record this year. Like I mentioned, he's a two-time natty champ, back-to-back years. Back-to-back, two-time national championship MVP. <clears throat> he was fourth in the Heisman voting this year. And he has one SEC championship, which they won this year. Obviously, last year, they lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game, but then they beat him in the net. So, again, one hell of a career, one hell of a trophy case for Stetson Bennett. Again, the mailman. I have a dear place in the Georgia fans' hearts. I'm sure everyone in Athens build a shrine, maybe they'll probably put a statue for him or something in the Hall of Fame or, you know, Ring of Honor or whatever, Stetson Bennett, one hell of a player. Now, again, 
today, actually, I saw that Stetson Bennett was at the Canes, because I follow Canes on social media and stuff. I love Canes. I was introduced to that in Tuscaloosa. And, um, you know, this is just pretty much just chicken place for those you don't know. I think it's the best chicken ever, better than Zaxby's, better than all that other garbo. They have one in Athens. And today, you know, a couple days after the natty, he was there working a couple shifts. So he's working the drive through then he's working the cash register. You know, had all the fans and people show up. They got to take pictures, talk to him. It was a really cool experience. So more respect and hats off to him. Again, I love Canes. So that's just a plus there. Um, again, more about this Georgia team and just the run that they've been having. Obviously, under Kirby Smart, they've you know ever since they've gotten there, they've succeeded. I believe they've won like six straight bowl games, and they just tied Clemson with. Okay, so UGA from this twenty-one and twenty-two teams have tied Clemson from their stretch from twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen with twenty-nine wins in a two-season span, which is the most in college football history. Again. That Clemson team that won the national championship in 2018 through 2019 before they lost again. 29 wins. And then this Georgia team up until this point, 29 wins in two seasons. That's the most ever. Behind them, you had Alabama 2015-2016. And then Clemson again in 2015-2016 with 28 wins a pop for both of them. But obviously, like I mentioned, Georgia this these past two seasons, and then Clemson in 2018 and 2019 have that 29 wins. So again, dominance by Georgia. Again, they are the kings. They're on the mountaintop right now, back-to-back national championships. I've had people ask me, Chew, or I've seen all you know all these things talk about Georgia's the new standard. You know, they're forming a dynasty, and I get all that. I understand that. And again, hats off. You got to give credit where it's due. Again. Probably the starting of a dynasty, but to say that a new standard, I guess you can say that's true. But at least for me, and again, as an Alabama fan, it's probably you probably say it's biased. But what I like to see is longevity, and I understand Kirby Smart. You know, won six straight bowl games, and ever since he's got there, he's done well. But they just started getting over the mountaintop the past two years. I'm not saying in the first couple of years he didn't do well because they did make a national championship. They've had made it to the playoffs. It's not like they've been scrubs. But I feel like to be the whole new standard, it's got to be you and then everyone else, which it probably is. You could say that right now, definitely. But again, you want to see the longevity and the continuance of that. So they're definitely there. It's them in Alabama. Obviously, you have other teams like Ohio State, Clemson, USC, some of the other teams trying to peak up and out of there. But we'll see. All righty. Now... A little limelight on TCU here, Max Dugan. So a little bit about him. Before the 2020 season, he underwent heart surgery and had a second heart surgery done when a blood clot appeared after the first one. During the 2021 season, he played with a broken bone and a torn tendon in his foot. This past season... TCU was ranked 7th in the Big 12 preseason poll. They were unranked at the start of the year. There were 201 odds to even make or win the Natty, I believe. Dugan started the season as the backup. But in the first game of the season, the starting quarterback, Chandler Moore, gets hurt. And Dugan comes in to replace him. Leads him to 12 straight wins. Obviously, they lost in their conference championship against Kansas State. But they make the playoff with one loss. 
They go on to beat Michigan, and he leads them to a national championship. Obviously, get the brakes beat off of them, but there you go. He's won the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year this year, the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award, and the Davey O'Brien Award, which is given to the best quarterback in the country. He also was second in Heisman voting this year behind the winner. Obviously, Caleb Williams won it, but he was second, Max Dugan. Again, one hell of a guy. I've watched many interviews by him. Very humble guy, not very braggart. You know, obviously, he's gone through a lot to get where he has this year. We'll see what he does. If he decides to come back, him and Sonny Dykes and some of those guys decide to run it back. Obviously, Sonny Dykes will be there. He's the head coach. Johnston will probably go. A couple other, uh, Tomlinson will probably go in the defense. Maybe a couple other guys, but we'll see how much of this team wants to run it back next year, what recruits they get as a result of this. But again, just wanted to preference some of that with different teams. Again, the national championship, both the FCS and the FBS national championship. Again, Stetson Bennett, one hell of a career at Georgia. Walk on, now 25 years old. I saw an um, interview after the game that Kirby Smart said he has to go. He wishes he could stay, but he has to go. And then Dugan, again, as well. But shout out the mailman. Again, because I always, I'm rough on him. And again, as a Alabama fan, I am rough on him. Probably some of it's bias. But I just want to, you know, give the man his prop. Give him his flowers. He deserves it. One hell of a kid. Two-time back-to-back national champion. Go down in history as one of the dirtiest and best dogs ever, in my opinion. So shout out Stetson Bennett, the mailman. For the national championship game, one last little tidbit. John Williams, the famous composer, wrote an original theme that played. If you guys watch the national championship or not, you can Google it on YouTube or something. Um, it's called Of Grit and Glory. He composed the theme in that. They played that before the national championship. It was like a three-minute video. They had some old clips of prior, you know, past national champions, Vince Young, Tim Tigo, Peter Warwick. Some other guys from early National Eclipse just to inspire, and then he had him, you know, him composing the the tune. Obviously, he's most known for, you know, his acclaimed hits in Star Wars, Jaws, Jurassic Park. The list goes on and on. The man's the goat. So, thought that was really cool that he uh, composes for the national championship this year. Even though um, you can see Georgia took all the grit and glory of his TCU again, did not show up, but that's okay. <laughs> Alrighty, like I mentioned, everyone last week. Jim Harbaugh, he's won a lot of buzz about him potentially going back to the NFL, and he came out and said that he plans on you know coaching Michigan. He's happy. He wants to run it back next year. See what happens. Recently, the other day, I think Monday night or Monday, he interviewed with the Denver Broncos for two hours. As we know, the Broncos also recently just got permission to interview Sean Payton, the former Saints you know head coach, Super Bowl champ as well. So Jim Harbaugh could potentially be back in Ann Arbor next year, or who knows, Denver. There's a couple other coaching, uh, again, vacancies that I mentioned. I believe Carolina, I think Houston. There's a couple other teams that have coaching vacancies. So we'll see where Harbaugh ends up. Harbaugh has also been hit with a level one NCAA violation. And it was for, you get ready for this, buying a recruit a hamburger at the Brown Jug. And I did not know what the Brown Jug was, but I'm sure all my Michigan listeners are laughing at me. The Brown Jug is pretty much just a historic, you know, restaurant type uh, food place in Ann Arbor, Michigan on the campus. 
And uh, Harbaugh tweeted out in response to this, quote, it wasn't a burger, it was boneless wings. Get it right at the NCAA. And then he put two middle finger emojis afterwards. So, again, the NCAA, I've talked about many, many times how crooked and crazy and corrupt they are. And again, they go crazy with some of these um, violations. Obviously, some of them are warranted, some of them are not. Um, so apparently, uh, Harbaugh got a recruit, some boneless wings, the brown jug, and they hit him with a level one violation. Obviously, he wasn't too happy about that. But I just thought that was really funny. And especially his clap back, back at them with the tweet. So, uh, again, we'll see where Jim Harbaugh ends up, whether it's still in Michigan and Ann Arbor, or if it's in the back to the NFL. Again, had a great tenure with the 49ers, led to him to a Super Bowl. Um, you know, great NFL coach, so we'll see. He's also had a great run in Michigan the past two years, won the Big Ten back-to-back years, made the playoff in back-to-back years. So we'll see what happens. All righty. Back to some transfer portal, some news going on in the world of college football. We have DN Jared Verse. He's projected number one first rounder, but he has decided to return to FSU. Free shoes in the Seminoles are getting back a stud. He transferred into FSU, and he quoted saying, I did what was best for me, and what was best for me was coming back and competing with my team. So the Seminoles got a big, nice DN running running it back this year. He was the best defensive player this year, so that's a big win for them. Former UVA quarterback Brendan Armstrong, Brennan, excuse me, Armstrong is expected to transfer to NC State. So the Wolfpack, ow, getting a good quarterback for Virginia. Utah quarterback Cam Rising has said he's coming back for the Utes in the 2023 season. That's a big win for the Utes again, Cam Rising. Utah had a pretty okay year again. Bad losses, but they won the Pac-12 back-to-back. Conference champs uh, lost a heartbreaker in the Rose Bowl against Penn State. But, but, again, back-to-back Pac-12 champs. Running it back with that Utes team. It's a big, big win for them there. Next, former Texas A&M and Auburn quarterback Zach Calzada is expected to transfer to Incarnate Wood which is an FCS team, I believe. Yes. University of South Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler has decided he's coming back to the Gamecocks for the 2023 season. Again, South Carolina upset Tennessee and Clemson this year. Rattler really turns it on after having okay, you know, freshman year at Oklahoma. Was kind of run out of there by Caleb Williams. Transferred out. Went to South Carolina. Had a great year for them this year. So he's running it back with the Gamecocks next year. Former Kentucky running back, Gavosi Smoke, has committed to Colorado following uh, primetime Deion Sanders to Colorado. Four-star quarterback, Jaden Rosada, requests national letter of intent release from UF. Again, another big quarterback recruit gone from UF. Again, I don't know what's going on in Gainesville. I know I talked about it last week. Um, with that defensive lineman who said, you know, players who aren't buying in. And then, you know, how Billy Napier's kind of changing, changing the, you know, culture of the program. or been dipping. But this is another four-star recruit. is sending his national letter of intent with the Gators. Michigan Edge, Yabi Oki, has entered the transfer portal. He's a former five-star. Okay. Next, 
for Ohio State, Ohio State linebacker Tommy Eichenberg has announced he will return to Ohio State for another season. Again, Eichenberg was a good part of this defense last year, flying all over the ball. Pretty good in coverage, definitely you know strong tackler, physical guy, so good to see him back with Ohio State next year. Um, a quick way to think with coaching real quick. Clemson has fired their offensive coordinator, Brendan Streeter. And sources have told me, I've seen different posts and different articles, that they're set to hire TCU's offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley, to become their next offensive coordinator. Garrett Riley is Lincoln, Lincoln Riley's brother. If you haven't watched TCU in the National Championship, they showed him. He looks just like him. And um, a deal should be finalized shortly. Garrett Riley won the Broyles Award as the nation's top assistant coach this past year. Again, look at TCU's offense. One of the best in the nation. High prolific. What Max Dugan, Miller, Johnson have done. One hell of an offense. So, again, Clemson's offense the past couple of years, ever since Trevor Lawrence and those boys have left, has been okay. Obviously, DJ Ukulele wasn't the answer. And obviously, they got rid of Streeter, so now they got a great mind with Riley coming in there. So it's a big pickup for Clemson. Huge there to get that offense going again. Next, we have NIL. And this one was really funny when I read this. So hold on to your ears here. We have an NIL deal with Oklahoma quarterback, General Booty. Yes, the man's name is General Booty. He has released... The General's Crimson Cream, which is body cream. You know, obviously we all know what body cream is. And the kicker, the best part if you ask me, he will give a portion of the proceeds to Wounded Warrior Project. So there's actually this video that I saw that came up with it. And uh, General Booty coming out of a final. And someone's interviewing him about it. He just talks about, you know, this cream, how you use this body cream. You know, to kind of recover and all this other stuff. Really funny commercial. I just think it's funny because the guy's name is General Booty. And it's called the General's Crimson Cream. So that's really great. Again, hats off and just stand up for, you know, the, the contribution of Wounded Warrior. That's the best part about this. Again, be, be serious and forget about the funny name for a second. That's a class act right there. So definitely wanted to shout him out there. All righty. The last AP poll has been announced. And uh, not really much of a shock here, but let's go through it. So you have Georgia 1, TCU 2, Michigan 3, Ohio State 4, Bama 5, Tennessee 6, Penn State 7, Washington 8, Tulane 9, Utah 10, FSU 11, Southern Cal 12, Clemson 13, Kansas State 14, Oregon 15, LSU 16, Oregon State 17, Notre Dame 18, Troy 19, Mississippi State 20, UCLA 21, Pitt 22, South Carolina 23, Fresno State 24, and Texas at 25. Again, that's the final AP poll this year. And you say, Chew, well, why does that really matter? Again, it's kind of just something they put out, and some people have bugging out, well, why is TCU still two, and maybe put a Michigan or Ohio State over? Well, you know, uh, TCU did beat Michigan, and Ohio State did lose to Georgia in the playoff game. TCU did make the national championship, so I guess the team that loses isn't the number one team. Obviously, they have to be the number two team. 
And then you have people say, well, Bama at five and Tennessee at six. Well, Tennessee beat Bama. Yes, Tennessee also lost to South Carolina, <laughs> which is no bueno for them. <laughs> Again, they lost games that they shouldn't have. Obviously, they lost to Georgia as well. They beat Clemson in their bowl game. And, but Alabama just beat the brakes off Kansas State in their bowl game. So I also think that had to do with why they're ranked above them. And also the final rankings at the end of the year still had Alabama above Tennessee, even though they beat them during the regular season. But, you know, shout out to some other teams making in there. Washington sneaking into the top 10. Tulane, the Green Wave as well. Shout out them. Fresno State, Texas squeaking in towards the end. But shout out to all those teams that finished in the top 25. Alrighty. Next, ladies and gentlemen, and again, as we know, I'm an Alabama fan. I love the SEC. I love college football. Don't forget about FCS. We get we, again. We dabble in that too. I watch that. Love that as well. But I just want to dive into some stats here. Kind of talk about a little bit the dominance of the SEC for the past 17 years. So, ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your hats here. Since 2006. So obviously, that would be 17 years to 2023. Quick math there for everybody. 13 of the past 17 national champions have been SEC teams. Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is the truth. Out of those 13 national champions that were SEC teams, there was five different teams made up. And you could probably guess Georgia, Alabama, okay, LSU, more recent memory, We'll see if some of you also remember some of the earlier ones. So we'll go in order here. 2006, the Gators, UF, won the national championships. 07, LSU and Les Miles. 08, Tebow and the Gators again. 2009, start of Bama, Greg McElroy, Mark Ingram. 2010, Cam Newton and Auburn. Again, Auburn's probably one that a lot of people tend to forget. Because people tend to remember... Tim Tebow in Florida, even if they don't remember the 06 one. 2011, 2012, the Bama years. Again, A.J. McCarron, all those boys, the elite defenses of the time. Something stout and nasty. Something we've never seen. Again, probably close to Georgia, their most recent years with that defense. 2013 was FSU. They're from the ACC, so no. 2014, and that FSU team was the Jameis Winston team, the Calvin Benjamin 2014 was Ohio State over Oregon in the first year of the college football playoff. That was Zeke. 2015 was Bama. Again, SEC team again. That was Derrick Henry. Jake Coker over Clemson and Deshaun Watson. 2016 was Clemson. That was Deshaun Watson to hunt the Renfro for the last play of the game. 2017 was Bama. Second and 26, two of Devontae Smith over Georgia. 2018 was Clemson. Trevor Lawrence over Alabama in a beatdown. Again, not an an SEC team. 2019 was LSU and Joe Burrow and that ridiculous team. 2020 was Alabama and that ridiculous team. And then 2021, 2022, the Dogs. So again, the only teams was FSU in 2013, Ohio State in 2014, Clemson in 2016, and Clemson in 2018. So again, ladies and gentlemen, 13 of the past 17 national champions have been from the SEC. And represented by five different teams. Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, and Florida. Again, that's why I always say the SEC is the best conference. At least growing up for me, watching college football, the SEC has been the best conference. 
and I think for the foreseeable future will be the best conference. So just want to shout out the SEC there. Greg Sankey knows what the hell he's doing. All righty. A little bit of news for the upcoming Natties. I know the other one just ended. But in 2024, the national championship will be held in Houston, Texas, January 8th, 2024. And then in 2025, the Natty will be in Hotlanta, Georgia. Again, January 6th. Then 2026, the Natty will be in Miami, Florida on January 5th. I believe those next two to 2025, 2026, the date could change because they, when they expand the playoff, they have to play a couple more games in between, but also depends when they start them. And if they start them at the end of December or right after finals, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, they're probably going to have to expand the Natty to a couple weeks later, which is fine. But next year will be in Houston, Texas, then Atlanta, then Miami. Those places aren't changing. It would just be the dates. Again, next, jumping into the 2023 College Football Hall of Fame class. This was announced for the other day. Actually, um, when they were doing coverage of the national championship, Tim Tebow was told by his colleagues when he was reporting the game. So Tim Tebow, probably one of the headliners in this class, was quarterback at UF from 2006 to 2009. One of the only sophomores, he was the first sophomore to win the Heisman. Again, Tim Tebow is probably one of the best college football players ever growing up. Tebow was uh, ridiculous. I remember some of the plays he used to make. He used to must see TV. Again, one of the best college quarterbacks of all time as well. Another big headliner on this list, Reggie Bush, running back for Southern Cal, 03 to 05. Again, national champ, electric on the field. Obviously, got that Heisman taken away in trouble with this stupid NCAA stuff, obviously receiving money from boosters and stuff like that. Obviously, Southern Cal, he had that ban. Southern Cal's kind of brought him back in a little bit. Still have not decided to give him back his Heisman. I hope they do. Um, other you know, notable people, Eric Berry, defensive back for Tennessee from 07-09. Michael Bishop, quarterback of Kansas State, 1997-98. Dwight Freeney, defensive end from Syracuse, 1998-2001. He was nasty. Robert Gallery, offensive tackle from Iowa, 2000-03. LaMichael James, the running back from Oregon, 2009 to 2011. Derek Johnson, linebacker for Texas, 2001-04. Bill Collar, defensive tackle from Montana or Montana State, I believe, from 1971 to 1973. Luke Keekley, linebacker for Boston College from 2009 to 2011. Again, had one hell of an NFL career, obviously cut short. He retired early, but Keekley, one hell of a player in college as well. Jeremy Macklin, wide receiver kick returner from Mizzou, 2007-08. Terrence Mathis, wide receiver from 1985-87 and also 1989. I believe that's Arkansas State or some team there. I'm sorry. Um, Miami, the U, you had Bryant McKinney, offensive tackle from 2001. Corey Moore, defensive end. Excuse me, defensive line for Virginia Tech, 1997-99. Michael Stonebreaker, linebacker from Notre Dame, 1986-88-1990. Troy Vincent, defensive back from Wisconsin, from 88-1991. to Brian Westbrook, running back from Villanova, from 97-98, to 2000-01. D'Angelo Williams, running back from Memphis, 2002-05. You had Monty Carter, the head coach, 81 to 86, and then 87 to 2017. 
Again, I really can't tell what the teams are. I can look that up in a second. Then you had Paul Johnson, a coach of Georgia Southern, Navy, and Georgia Tech from 1997 to 2001 at Georgia Southern, 2002 to 07 at Navy, and then 08 to 18 at Georgia Tech. You had Roy Kramer, head coach of Central Michigan from 67 to 77, and then Mark Richt, they coached from Miami from 01 to 2015, and then Georgia from 2016 to 2018. So again, just want to shout out all those who are listed who made the College Football Hall of Fame. Again, one hell of an honor. And obviously, if you see on there, some of the greatest players, some of the greatest coaches in recent, and obviously, you know, more past history with college football. Just wanted to shout them out. Again, all legends. And I'm going to look up um, Monte Carlo now to see what his deal was. Again, some of the, what the, the article I was reading had, um, excuse me, only had like pictures of the, the universities. They didn't have um, the names, they just had like the logo. So let's see here. Okay, one of them was Shepherd University. Okay, let's see. He had his record at Shepard was 245 wins, 93 losses, and one tie. 72.4 win percentage, and his 31 years the coach. He was the winningest active NCAA football coach with 274 career victories. He led the Rams, which is Shepard, to 17 conference titles. Shepard had six undefeated seasons under Carter. And the all-time winningest coach in WVIC and Mech history. Which is crazy. Um, some cra- Again, one wild stat. I believe Shepard is D2. Let me look that up as well to check out. Okay. So Shepard College. It's in West Virginia, so that would make sense. Is the WVIC. So it's a uh, excuse me a public university in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. About thirty two hundred students. Let's see. Division. Okay, they are. They're the Rams. Nice, good to know. Yeah. They're D2. Okay, that makes sense. But again, shout out to him. Again, I really know much about him. Good to know. More more you know. There you go. All righty. And now, ladies and gentlemen, again, we really don't have different scores or stuff to go over here. So what we're going to go over is we're going to hold me accountable. We're going to go over picks and my bowl game picks from throughout the year, my percentages. Because again, this is something I know couple of my viewers are interested in i'm actually interested to see how i do the bowls every year i always you know do my picks obviously but with bowl games and specifically i always see how many i get correct versus wrong and now i did it with all my picks i made throughout the season so we're in for a treat here we'll start with the bowl games and then we'll go throughout the season so as i said before there's 41 bowl games 42 including the national championship I missed three of them this year because when I did my podcast, I forgot there were some on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday before I recorded again. 
So obviously, if there's 42 and I miss three, that means out of 39 bowl games, I had 21 correctly picked as wins. So I was 21 of 39, which is a 53.84%. So out of 39 games, I picked 21 right. Again, in my opinion, 53.84% is pretty damn good. I feel like I've done better in prior years. Um, I feel like this year I definitely picked some that I probably should have picked the winner, but that's okay. Again, 53.84% is still crazy in my opinion. So not too bad with the bowl predictions. Now my total picks throughout the year of just picking games and teams I think would win. So again, we'll start. We'll go through all our weeks. So we start with week zero. So we had week zero. Week 1, week 2, week 3, week 4, week 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So going through some of the weeks. So that's a total, if you think about it, and I used to pick 6 every week. So if you do 6 times 15, because you obviously got to count week 0, that would be quick maths, which would be 90, and then... Week 15 was the Army-Navy game after conference championship week. So to go into some detail, obviously week zero was the week before the college football season officially started. Some of those teams played, like Florida State and some of the other teams. Um, 14 was conference championship weekend. 13 was rivalry weekend. And then, like I said, 15 was the Army-Navy game. So out of a total of 91 games that I picked this year, I got 61 of them. As correct. So 61 out of 91. So that's a 67.03 percentage of correct. So that's awesome. I'm again, it's kind of crazy that, you know, during the regular season, I picked better than bowl games. But hey, I'll take it. Nice, really, percentage. Again, larger sample size. Obviously, 91 versus 39. But again, just proud of myself. Thought I'd put that out there because, again, important part of my podcast every week at the end was my picks. So I just want to give everyone some of the data back. So, again, with my bowl game predictions, I was 21 out of 39, 53.84%. And then my picks throughout the season, out of 91 games, I picked 61 correct, which is 67.03 percentage. And then for my picks throughout the season, out of the 16 total weeks of picks, I got 100% three times. One of them was the Army-Navy game, so it was only out of one, so that was really easy. Then week one, the official week one, I got six out of six. And then week nine, I got six out of six as well. And um, yeah, week zero actually started with episode 20. And 19 was a big you know, NIL. That was kind of our first episode with the coaching carousel, NIL, playoff expansion, you know, super conferences, stuff like that. 20 was first episode with week zero but again we've come a long way this season as we wrap up here i just want to thank everyone for the love and support and again like i said at the beginning we did a lot of different things this year unique cool things working on a new logo i think going forward in the million dollar question i would say well chew what are you going to do now you know season's over i'm again i'm probably not going to be putting out an episode every week because again there's nothing there's stuff to talk about every week but not as much so it wouldn't be a very, you know, consistent, substantial episode with a lot of information. But if, you know, mega stuff starts to drop or earth-shattering stuff, I'll probably drop episodes. But what I'll probably do is, is every so often, 
you know, every couple weeks or once a month, I'll drop an episode. I think before the draft, I'm going to have a big episode. You know, a lot of people, whether you're a college fan or an NFL fan, obviously you pay attention to the NFL draft and having watched college football, go over some of, you know, the best players. We talk about the whole year. We can look at some of, you know, project, project some picks, see what some teams do. So that could be good for the draft. And then, you know, as this, just as the year goes out before August, Thinking about, you know, calling some people up, having some different college you and college football sessions with some people I didn't get to fit in during the season. Obviously, I'm still going to save some for during the season because that's when we like to have it hot and ready during the season. But I think I'll have some in the meantime, maybe to reach out to some Georgia fans I know, see uh, how they're living in the back-to-back championship season life going on right now. Again, Logo, I'm working on with Snakeus. Shout out him. We're working on that as we speak. I, you know, I hope you guys are really excited putting some good thought into us and he's really helped me out and putting together a killer logo so once that drops we'll be updating that for the podcast so stay tuned for that but as always and again just want to thank everybody appreciate everyone tuning in again one hell of a journey definitely seen the numbers and everything gone up this season from last season so that shows i'm doing a great job you guys are doing a great job word of mouth spreading this community this family which i always appreciate and, you know, because I do this, again, this is my full-time job. I wish it was. Trust me, I do. But um, I do this for the love of the game, the sport, the enjoyment. It brings me, brings you guys. And, you know, I do this for this community this family. So I appreciate all that and the support and the motivation you guys give me every week. So just want to thank you all. As always, stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay frosty, my friends, as Do- Dos Equis says. Um, everyone be good and be well and uh, we'll be back soon don't worry um, this ain't gonna be like last season where there was a big hiatus and this year we finished it so props off you know everyone and um, as always peace